Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the CBS and Play It Network. And I am excited today because we're going to be talking with Scott Halford, CSP, CPAE. We'll talk about what those initials mean in just a little while. But he's an Emmy, Emmy award-winning writer. Uh, he's an amazing presenter, which, by the way, is what CPAE is all about. I'll, I'll give you a hint what that is. That's the Hall of Fame designation from the National Speakers Association. This guy is an amazing speaker. Uh, he works with all types of companies. He works with Fortune 500 executive teams. This guy has energy. He has knowledge. Uh, he understands what achievement psychology is all about. It's brain-based behavioral science. It's emotional intelligence. It's critical thinking and it's influence. And I know what some people are thinking right now, oh my gosh, is this going to be a good show? Well, this is going to be an amazing show because he takes the scientific and he makes it easy enough for even me to understand. As I mentioned, Scott is a member of the National Speakers Hall of Fame. That's the CPAE designation. CSP stands for Certified Speaking professional means that simply means he does a whole lot of speeches for a lot of money that's what that means and uh, he's part of the faculty at the GE's John Welsh Center of Leadership in uh, Crotonville New York he also guest lectures in the MBA programs at the Daniel School of Business in the University of Denver the guy's an entrepreneur he's an academic he's an all-around great guy and we have him on amazing business radio today Scott welcome to the show Thank you very much. Wow, that was a huge, huge accolade there. <laughs> I wonder who that guy is. <laughs> well, it's you, and you know, I wanted something that your mother would be proud of. So make sure she gets to uh, listen to the show when it goes uh, live. So you've just written a book called Activate Your Brain, How Understanding Your Brain Can Improve Your Work and Life. And we're going to talk about that, but before we get into that book, I want people to know who Scott Halford is. So give us a little background. Well, I work with, as you mentioned, I work with corporations all around the world, and I, I work mostly with people in, in terms of p- performance solutions and making sure that they maximize what they can do right now uh, without pretty much rotting themselves and decaying along the way because, you know, what we know is is pretty much after you're 30 years old, the brain really kind of begins that slow trickle downward and, and shrinks and shrinks. We have enough information now to know how to keep it intact, and uh, that's what I work with people uh, all all throughout their careers, helping them to really learn how to innovate and understand how it is that they can maximize their thinker, if you will, to maximize that thinking part, plus keep their stamina along the way. And right. that's kind of where I dedicate my life, and I'm, I'm really very, very, very focused on helping people to not burn out along the way and still find not only success, which is huge in a lot of formulas, but success and fulfillment. And I think success without fulfillment is, is uh, kind of a, uh, empty calories. I would and agree. So that's, that's but I, what, I just want to stop you for a second because you said something that's freaking me out right now. I realized that about age 30, my body might start to decline based on what I, I read about. I mean, you can stay in good shape, but, you know, you, the, the prime part of your body and, and your ability to regenerate muscle and all that. But you're telling me at 30, the brain starts to shrink? Yeah, I, actually a little bit before then. From By the time we're 30, that brain begins to shrink. But pretty much, uh, most of us at 25 years old, that's when the brain 
pretty much for, finishes its long trek of growth. And, uh, you know, if you think about it, I think this is a pretty interesting fact. You know, when we're born, our brain is about 30% developed, whereas a chimpanzee's is 70% developed. By the time a chimpanzee is about three years old, it's 100% developed. Our brain is so substantial in what it can do and what it need, what needs to grow that it takes another 25 years to all grow in. And once it's grown, then um, it just goes now. It, it like reaches this peak, it grows, and then it's like the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, and then the next day is the oh, no. quarter. So, yeah. like, how much does it diminish? I'm, you're, you're getting me nervous here. I wonder no, how many good it, years I have. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there is therein lies the crux of activating your brain. Therein lies the, the whole message is that we now have the science to understand kind of how to keep our, our, our brain up with our body. So we can keep you alive to 110, 120 years old. We just plug you in. We've got ways to keep you alive. Um, and you don't have to have your brain there. Um, you know, your your brain is, is is obviously on, but it doesn't have to be fully intact. Well, that's a sad state of, of affairs. Yeah, that so, doesn't sound like fun. No, you no. Know, pull the plug at that and, point, right? Well, that's that that's what we would want to do. But now we have science that shows how we can keep the brain and intact well into your into your 80s, into your 90s, up to your 100. We're not genetically encoded to lose our minds. But with all of the pelting and the stressors that happen in everyday society, and especially at work, without erasing those every single day, doing something every day where we erase that, what we do is we slowly degrade the memory part of our brain as well as the gray matter, which is the part that allows our brain to talk to itself. It's going to atrophy anyway, but we know ways to actually slow it way down. Sometimes, I mean, people who are deep, deep, intense meditators actually have been shown to be able to not only stop the atrophy of the gray brain, but the gray matter of the brain, but actually grow parts of their brain as well. So there's all kinds of good news about what we can do. It's just that you have to be really proactive around it. That's what you have to be able to do. All right. So meditation, I always thought if I did Sudoku puzzles, that would help keep my brain going. I, I play music. They say that's a good thing to keep your brain going. Yeah, anything, you know, anything that's new actually grows your brain. So if you play the same song over and over again, eventually the benefit of that kind of wears down. If you play new things, uh, that, that actually grows it. If you try another and a new instrument, that will grow it. So when we're looking at kind of the growth of the brain, there are two things, two big things that will grow the brain. Number one, and this, there's nothing that comes even close to this, is exercise. Nothing comes even close to cardiovascular exercise and, and creating the, the new neurons that um, are, are important for our brain growth, as well as those neurons connecting to themselves. So that's really critical for neuron innervation. The second one is novelty, something brand new. You've never played uh, clarinet? Pick up a clarinet, learn how to play it somewhat, go through the difficulty of, of learning how to salsa or learning a new language, that's where we see that neuroplasticity. We see new neurons in the hippocampus, which is the area of, of memory in the brain, as well as in motor cortexes in your brain. So it's, if, if you want your brain to grow, um, don't stop learning. And that's the critical thing. Learn difficult things that you don't know how to do. And the content of that doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if, if you go and, and learn how to ballroom dance and you go like, well, what am I going to do with that? Well, you've grown your brain. You're keeping your brain literally pliant and active throughout your life. And if you look at people 
have very intact brains, that's what they've done throughout throughout their lives. So very lots of experiences. Uh, you mentioned cardiovascular exercise. No doubt, I'm I'm riding my bike, and I love this part of my exercise routine. When I get to ride my bike, and I go through the park, and here in St. Louis Forest Park. Um, I'm amazed. Sometimes I just want to stop to write down all the things that I'm thinking of as I'm riding my bike. It, like my, my head gets clear and my brain must be doing something at that point. Well, yeah, you know, so there's, there's another thing that's going on there as well. So as you are bumping up a whole set of neurohormones, including the one everybody hears about, endorphins, as you're bumping that up, you're, you're taking down the stressor hormone, cortisol, and as, as that comes down, we're actually allowing our brain to have more access and a little bit more free flow to, to things that allow us to innovate and think new thoughts. Because cortisol, the stress or hormone, what it's basically, its basic function is not only for learning, you learn new things when cortisol rises slightly, that's the beginner's curve, right? You're learning something new, you're kind of excited about it. But if you work at it too hard or you get, you, you push too hard, uh, then you become very, very anxious and you stop learning. That's when the cortisol reaches a very, very high level. And unfortunately, that's where most people are running around with, you know, they wake up in the morning, they're pelted by emails, they're pelted by meetings, the family, the news of the world, this and that. And so when you go on that bike ride, you take that cortisol down, there's no accident to the fact that, that your best ideas come when you're doing something like that or in the shower or on vacation. And it's because you are actually striking a different balance in terms of the, the neurohormones that allow you to create. And the big thing I would want people to walk away with is this, is that the, the neurohormones for innovation, for thinking new thoughts and creating new ideas, are, are incompatible and, not on, and the architecture is not on the same time as those that are, are, are critical for things like validation and things like survival. And so when you're in a your survival space and you're just trying to make it through the day, you're not going to think new thoughts. That happens when you're, when you're, when you're doing like that bike ride that you do. That's why right. And you there. mentioned vacation time and, and uh, you know, there's study after study that proves that you need to take time off. The mm-hmm. seven day a week uh, routine is not healthy. Uh, I mean, you may get a lot done and you may be productive, but you're not going to grow to the point you want to grow. But actually taking that vacation and, you know, I find myself, my goal once was to truly take a vacation and not even think about work. But that's impossible because what happens is while I'm on vacation, I don't think about the day to day, but all of a sudden an idea pops in my mind. I've got to write it down just like that bike ride. But now I'm sitting under a palm tree reading a book when this idea comes to mind, and I can just pull out a pen and just write it down at that time, put it away, and I'll get back to it later. It used to be the joke in my office that when I came back from being gone, even from a short vacation of a long weekend, say, uh, they go, oh, man, I wonder what he's going to come back with when he, when he gets back on Monday morning, what, he's gonna, what ideas he's going to have. Well, and I, I think absolutely. And the thing is, is too, you know, your, your definition of work, you know, if you go on vacation and you're answering emails and you're putting out fires, you are at work. If you're thinking new thoughts, that that's fun. You know, that's fun for most people, you know, reinventing themselves, reinventing their career, reinventing um, kind of processes. That is actually folly for the brain. And so, you know, we don't really look at that as, as work work. 
The vacation thing is critical. We know that people who go on vacations are two to three times more productive than those people who are not. I was just recently interviewed on national television about the, the, the whole spate of, of suicides and depression on Wall Street and in Silicon Valley because of that seven-day work week um, ethic where they're working 100 to 120 hours a week. And, you know, the one thing that's really critically important is, is you know, we should have learned from the Japanese in the 60s, 70s, and 80s when they coined the term karoshi, karoshi, K-A-R-O-S-H-I, meaning literally overworked by death. They were having people who would literally, literally just die at work when they didn't have, you know, they were 40 years old, they didn't have any other mitigating factors, and they would kill over and die. So they were working 100, 120 hours a week. They weren't taking vacation. Uh, they were only getting three or four hours of sleep. And that, the human brain and the human body just can't take that. So the vacation is critical. So is downtime every weekend. And so is downtime every single day. Finding holes in your day every single day. Really critical for erasing that cortisol. Right. I mean, you might go and work out in the middle of the day. You might take a short nap, uh, go home, leave the work behind. If you have to work in the evening, at least take an hour or two and enjoy some time. I, I get it. You know, there's an old story, and then we're going to take a short break, and I think you know the story. And I can't even tell the story, but it's basically about uh, two people uh, that were asked to, to chop wood. Both of them had an axe, and uh, the guy, one guy is just chopping, 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 and, the other, and he looks over at the other guy who's actually just sitting down and relaxing for a little while, and then he gets up and chops some more. And at the end of this period of time, the guy who sat down ended up chopping more than the guy that just chop, 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 chop. And you know the punchline, right? Yep. Give it to Go us. Go for it. No, I'm going to let you punch do it. Punchline is, is if you if – yeah, sometimes you have to take some time to sharpen your, sharpen your saw. Exactly. Sharpen the axe. And, uh, the axe. Yeah, and that's what, what you do when you take that time off. You're really letting your mind, more or less, you're sharpening your mind by giving it some downtime and letting it rejuvenate. Love what you're talking about. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your new book, which is pretty exciting, uh, about you know how to activate your brain. So we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away, everybody. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. We are talking with Scott Halford, who has just written this amazing book. It is called Activate Your Brain, How Understanding Your Brain Can Improve Your Work and Life. So, Scott, let's just jump right into it. Uh, You say uh, that the most effective individuals and leaders of the 21st century will be those who understand their biology. And I'm assuming you're talking about the brain because that is what your book is about. Let's, Let's talk about it. Yeah, you know, I, I, I heard Will McFarland, who's a, kind of a, a, a big business guy out there, who, who talks about just kind of business trends. And, and I heard him at a conference talking about, you know, the, the, the big business uh, attributes that were important in the 1990s and early 2000s that was financial acumen, business acumen. Um, but now those leaders that understand their biology are going to be the ones who are the most successful. Because when you get right down to it, when you feel energized, when you feel inspired, when you feel most creative, when you can solve your problems the best, 
when you can make big decisions and how to make great decisions, when you can critically think, is all predicated on your biology. It's predicated on the quality of your brain and, and how well you're taking care of it. Because here's the one thing we know. If you're tired and you're cranky and your, your, your brain is eating raw sugars and, and simple carbohydrates, not complex, we can talk about that a little later on, simple carbs, and, and is, is, you know, just kind of overfatted with, with animal fats and never getting any kind of rest and never erasing the stressors of the day. Every one of those things that I just mentioned that are critical to being successful in business all get cut in half at least. And, you know, nobody, nobody wants, you know, I never ask an audience, when I ask an audience, you know, who in here would like less stamina? No one ever, ever, not ever says, oh yeah, you know, I have too much energy. We all like more energy. We'd all like to be able to think more clearly and be able to come up with better decisions and so on and so forth. And that that's a brain kind of thing. You know, it, 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 you're not going to make your all those things better by paying attention to your spleen or paying attention to your 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 lungs or your heart. It's really maybe in a small way. It has to do with your brain. So biology, understanding that biology, understanding when it when when we're up, when we're down. The, the old kind of work model is an agrarian model that has been with us for thousands of years because if you think about it, when when we came out of the caves, you know, what did we do? We were we were productive when it was light out and we went to sleep when it wasn't and we protected ourselves. Well that that's been with us for up, up until now. You think about most people, we go in at eight, off at five or, you know, nine to six or something like that. Well that that's a model that was useful when electricity was not around. We have electricity now, and our brain actually pays attention at very, very different times. We have so different pockets. Wh- so what's the best day. work schedule then? It's, the best work schedule is the schedule that actually works around your energy level. And so when you think about, when we look at most people have their biggest energy push because of their ne- neurochemistry in the morning, um, between about 8 in the morning and 11.30, or it's a couple hours after they work, uh, they awaken, till about 11.30 noon. After lunch, because you've eaten, you're digesting, and serotonin, your mood regulator, pumps up, you get a little tired, you get a little bit, um, you know, just get a little bit of that fugue state, your energy drops. That's the time to, if you're going to, you know, be at work, to do not the heavy lifting, that happens in the morning. But things that are kind of mundane, clean up your office, answer some emails that are pretty easy. If you do have to do critical thinking meetings in the afternoon, again, I would plan not to. But if you do, uh, make sure that you feed your brain with complex carbohydrates and, and, and pump up the energy level again. All make right, sure and for those that don't know, a complex carbohydrate might be? Yeah. So complex carbohydrate is something that doesn't happen typically in a box. It's not man-made. It's it is something that occurs in nature. They, it's complex because it takes the body a lot longer to break it down and for it to make its way to the brain. That's what the brain eats is that glucose of complex carbohydrates. And then the other thing that we pay attention to is making sure that the, the, the food's not processed. You know, basically, if you think of anything that is, is man-made, it's probably going to be simple sugars. So your brain likes it for just a few minutes, but it pops up and then jumps right back down, and it's very, very, um, very, very kind of hard on not only your brain but also 
the cells in your body that pay attention to insulin regulation. So, so complex carbs are like an oatmeal. Like, well, oatmeal, yeah, but even better is are, are things like um, an apple. It's one of the quintessential perfect foods. An apple because it's uh, very, very complex. It's got lots of sugar in it for sure. Um, you wouldn't want to make a, a full diet on apples. However, an apple will wake up your brain more quickly than coffee because it's got not only the, the, the fiber and the fructose, but it also has something called choline, C-H-O-L-I-N-E. And you want to look for foods with choline because the brain operates off of cholinergic activity, which allows the synapses to cross back and forth between the left and right hemisphere. So you want your brain awake, you want your left and right hemisphere firing on full cylinders, eat an apple before going into that meeting. Eggs have it in it. Eggs with, but you have to eat the yolk. Very high in choline. Livers, any of the livers, which include um, oysters and mussels and, um, and any of the, the, you know, clams, those kind of things, but also meat livers. It's not always very palatable to people, but it's incredibly high in choline and folate, which is incredibly important for the brain. Wow. So there are, there are lots of things, and I talk about it in the book. I talk about the diets that actually have impact on the way we think because, you know, the fact of the matter is, is most people do have to be at work between 8 and 5 or 9 to 6. And so um, stealing away every once in a while, taking 10 minutes of downtime, unleashing yourself from any of the electronic leashes out there, and just letting your brain just, you know, just kind of, just like kind of let the air out. And then you've got to go do that 2 o'clock meeting. Carb up, you know. You're like an athlete. Carb up, and you know you're you're an athlete uses their muscles. We're corporate athletes. We're we're worker athletes. You're entrepreneurs are out there using their brain. That's what you lift with. Well, understand your brain so that you know how to lift with it best. So and diet then, is the, a major factor. It's huge. In, it's, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's you know the the how I state it in the book is that your brain basically is fed through all of the holes in your head. So what you breathe through your nose, what you see, the people, the events that you see, and what you hear, the things that you, you fill your brain with in terms of conversations, and then what you ingest in terms of liquid and, and food. Your body manufactures nothing what, of, of what your brain needs, needs to, to consume. And so the food is huge. It affects your mood. It affects your energy, your stamina. Um, if you if if you overeat, so there's a thing called ghrelin in the brain, and what it does is it stimulates appetite. Um, so our brain loves food. I mean, we love to eat, but here's the thing: eventually, we hold on to fat cells, which then affect our thinking. And so, you know, if you get unhealthy, then your body's using all kinds of other energy trying to maintain that fat. Well, your brain is a hungry, hungry, hungry energy eater. It eats about 20% of all your glucose. So now it's fighting with other organs in your body. So you can see this this food chain with your brain is really critically important. Wow, this is pretty fascinating information, uh, you know. And really, it, it's 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 food for thought. <laughs> I, I had to say it, but it is a, that's what's going through my mind. And and I was going to ask you for a couple of nuggets uh, out of the book, but I think you're giving us probably one of the biggest, most important nuggets of all. And and I heard exercise earlier. And I know when I get up in the morning, I feel so much better if I've done some form of exercise, even if it's minimal, like taking a short walk. But uh, I like to go down to the gym. Uh, I live in an apartment building. I go down to the gym. I work out. Sometimes I 
go, uh, you know, I, I love sports, so I might play hockey with my buddies. Um, and that's a very stimulating thing. I come back totally invigorated. I think that hard yeah, and, work, you know, and it clears and, and your head. Yeah, and here's the thing. For your listeners who don't like the word exercise, and I know there are a lot of people out there, I've met them, um, it, what I tell people is don't go exercise, just move. you got to move. And so if you're not a big gym person or you don't have the ambition like, like you do to go play hockey or to go play soccer or some other uh, you know, organized sport, you got to move every day. And, you know, we look at it, uh, you know, things like Fitbit or the Nike counters or some of the other, you know, sports counters that you, pedometers you wear in your pocket. I keep one in my pocket. I become completely addicted to it. I shoot for 10,000 steps a day. That is what keeps you even about, about five miles a day of movement. And you can get it in bits and, and, and pieces. Um, we know that if you walk up and down stairs, walk around the block. But, you know, to your point, in the morning, if, if all you do is move, that's the big thing. Is other than you know moving from the bed to the bathroom to the shower to the to to work, you know it's got to be more than that. We want to see about 150 minutes a week of deliberate movement that's a little bit faster than your typical walk, and that's how you th- want to think about it. Is if you're walking and you're just kind of sauntering, yeah, that's movement, and I, I'll take that. But what I really want to see you do is walk a little bit faster than a typical walk, go around that block a couple of times, um, pump your arms a little bit harder. Now you're, what you're doing is you're literally moving all kinds of th- things to the capillaries of not only your body but your brain. And your brain is, is reliant upon those teeny little capillaries that can get clogged with fat and with sugars, and we just do all kinds of detriment to ourselves if we don't, if we don't take that, that, that downtime of, of, you know, the, the down-up time of, of exercise. Right. So you're right. There's there's exercise is critical. Food is is critical. Unplugging is critical every day. Every day. If you mind if I talk about a little bit of an uh, this is one of my bandwagons, little unplugged bandwagons. Sure. Why don't we do it when we come back from a break? Because uh, I, I think let's do that, and then we'll come back. And I just love it. Basically, I used to think that exercising was just going to make me look better, but it's actually going to help me be smarter. So everybody listening, keep that in mind. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a huge, stimulating cardiovascular, I'm huffing and puffing at you know 180 uh, beats per minute of my heart. No, it's just getting out, moving around. Get your body to do the things it needs to do to rejuvenate itself, and it works on your brain so you look better, you're smarter. I can't think of a better combination. We've been talking with Scott Halford. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here, back on Amazing Business Radio on CBS and the Play It Network, and we're talking with Scott Halford. And just before the break, uh, he was talking about, uh, oh, gosh, tell me what it was again. Getting unplugged. That's getting unplugged. Getting unplugged. unplugged. He's, he says, I'm going to get on the bandwagon of getting unplugged. This is a big, important thing in Scott's mind, so go ahead, Scott, share it with us. So in, in, in the field of neuroscience, you know, people – we talk about awake rest, and people get a little nervous when you you mention the word meditation or mindfulness as well. And um, basically, it, it, it's just awake rest is literally resting the brain without sleeping. And um, that comes in the form sometimes of meditation, sometimes reflection, sitting there and just thinking. 
and sometimes mindfulness, actually working to stay on one thought. And so there's lots of forms that resting your brain can take. Um, one of the, the, the big things that I, I'm, I'm just really big on the bandwagon is we've got to start introducing 10 minutes of at least three times a day where we literally turn off our phones, turn off our computers, turn off our, our, our smartphones, and sit and reflect and just allow our brain to consolidate everything that we're asking it to hold in mind up to that point. Because what happens is cons- con- perfect consolidation of memories happens while we sleep. So we think that we're learning when we're awake. We're actually not. We're, we're gathering while we're awake. The brain is gathering information. What it does at night when we're sleeping and we're sleeping well is it downloads everything and literally consolidates. And then the next day when you repeat it and the next day repeat it again, it becomes a behavior. Repetition creates that behavior. Well, throughout the day, if you're not taking consolidation moments, you're literally asking your brain, you're over over stimulating your brain in terms of what it should consolidate for when you sleep. So if you're taking those mental moments two or three, four times a day, 10 minutes each, just sitting there reflecting, do not look at your phone, do not look at your computer, go take a walk, sit in your office and just veg out. If you happen to, to power nap and fall asleep, perfect. That's a, a great form of consolidation. So it's the, okay the, the, that the awake rest becomes sleep rest. <laughs> It absolutely can fall into that. And, and, and that's what I'm worried about is I'm thinking, what would I do? I'd, I'd lean back, I'd put my feet up on my desk, and I would just stop everything I'm doing. And I think within about three to four minutes, uh, my assistant would come in and say, Shep, wake up. That's your brain telling you. You know, I always tell people, if, if you're in a mindfulness exercise and you fall asleep, your brain needs to sleep. I mean, it's just simply, it, it, it needs that. You, when you practice this, you can actually get to the place where you stay awake and you just let your mind wander. And that's where that's where you're sitting on the beach and you're coming up with ideas. That's the same principle. When you're in the shower and you're coming up with ideas, same principle. You're on a bike. It's a wake rest. Um, but you're just being a little bit more active in those scenarios. I love my that. Big now, thing is you, use, you use mindfulness. Uh, you use that term a few times. That's yes. a hot buzzword right now. It, it's a big buzzword. Let me, let me say one thing about the last thing, and then I'll come back to mindfulness, about, about the sacred space be, before bed. We, we really need to create a sacred spot before we go to bed, about 30 minutes of no emails in bed. I mean, that's, that's like, like what am I, one of Scott's hard and fast rules, no more emails in bed. If, if you want to sit in bed and read, great, but make sure that it is a novel or some kind of mind candy magazine. Um, I don't believe in electronics in the bedroom. I know that's going to make many people just shiver and scream. Um, but here's the thing. Our sleeping, the consolidation, our, our best memory capability is, is when we sleep. And if you're not getting that six to, to uh, if you're getting six hours or less a night of sleep, you're, in four days you will have the same mental acuity as someone who drank a six-pack of beer. It's the same fogginess, same about fogginess. So we need to create a space that says to our brain, go to sleep, and where I'm winding down. And doing emails in bed, you know, you got to unplug, and that's the big thing. What about so watching I'm, a favorite show, a comedy show, mm, something that it, just takes I your mind away from favorite, the norm? Yeah, I'd, I'd watch that favorite comedy show, um, sure, you can. You, you absolutely can. But here's the thing. Um, this is why e-readers are, are, are tough, because the backlight um, signals to the pituitary, hey, there's still light out. See, your brain's very sensitive to light in the room before you sleep. 
Um, a little bit is fine. That's fine. You know, if you get sleepy and you, you're falling asleep, great. You don't want to overstimulate your brain before you before you go to sleep. You don't want to get into an argument. You don't want to you don't want to over laugh before you you know you fall asleep. It's just this kind of slow winding down lull where you create this space that says I am going to sleep. And most people try to fall asleep after watching a news program or some you know some spy mystery or what have you. Some people fall asleep to the TV being on. Well, your brain's scanning the environment five to seven times per second looking for danger. And when that's in the background, you might fall asleep to it, but your brain's paying attention to that. And all of a sudden it wakes up and goes, oh, boom, something big in the environment you have to pay attention to. So really that that's my bandwagon is, is we need to create that sacred space before bed. Lots of insomnia in the world. Um, we don't have the exact answer, but we have a lot of good ways to get at it. And sleep is the most critical thing for the health of your brain in terms of memory and allowing consolidation and, and feeling energized the next right. day. Right. Well, obviously it's important. You spent uh, a good good amount of time researching, understanding it, and, and shared some great thoughts. I want to get back to that word mindfulness. Yeah. I wrote it down. Sure. You used it a, a number of times. Big uh, deal. Yeah. So mindful is, you know, again, people think, wow, it's meditation. It really is just attentional directing. And, and so mindful is, is what, do you, what are you filling your mind with? And so kind of the adage I would like people to think about is, is it's not even an adage. It's a, it's a truism about the brain. Your brain will attend to what you tell it to attend to and do it exquisitely well. And it, it's kind of like when I first had my very first car, my very first car was a purple Volkswagen, and after I bought it, purple Volkswagen bug, I thought nobody else in the world had one. And, of course, you know the end of that story. Right. You started noticing them everywhere. Two of them in one week. And was it because they weren't there? No, it's because my brain wasn't attending to them before then. And so that's what happens. If you tell your brain what to attend to, it does it and does it extraordinarily well. That's the mindfulness piece. But what most people do is the exact opposite. If you don't tell your brain what to attend to, it attends to everything and does none of it particularly well. And then we get distracted, and then our anxiety goes up, and we get mush brain. So mindfulness is literally um, one, of, one of the most difficult things you can do. It's both excitatory and inhibitory in the brain. So it's, it's a dual function of the neurons in the brain. We're exciting our brain by saying, look at this. So when we tell our brain to do something, that excites neurons. And so we're saying, focus on this proposal. And it's inhibitory, which says, don't have any kind of neuron potentiation here by holding off everything that's trying to get my attention. So all of the things around me. So it's inhibiting that stuff. And yet at the same time, looking at this, it's a dual activity. And training your brain to attend to something is critical. You can't do it for very long. Um, we basically say in the neuroscientific world, you want to go about 50 minutes, five zero, 50 minutes, and then take some quite, some kind of little micro break. Go get hydrated. Great time to hydrate your brain because it needs it needs all that water for you it to function well. So get up, go get a glass of water, go bug a friend, uh, do something completely different, play a game on your on your computer. Completely fine. Anything that is just kind of, I'm not thinking about this anymore and then get back into it. But um, you know, one of the big things is that one hour of focus time equals about four hours of distracted time. That's huge. Wow. That's huge. So if you can teach yourself to focus, 
and teach yourself about mindfulness, keeping things in mind, staying on task, you're going to get done in a few hours what you'd get done in a day by being interrupted. Wow, so good, good ideas there. Uh, I know we're going to start running out of time in just a few minutes. I want to talk about willpower because I know that's one of the important chapters of your book, and it's like a muscle that you can train your brain to be, you know, boy, I like I like more willpower at times. So give us some insights on that. Yeah, this is going to kind of blow most people out of the water because willpower is actually an interesting thing and studied quite um, quite heavily. Um, two things are required for willpower. Uh, let me just back that up by saying when you make a decision, when you, when, you, when you decide to focus on something, that's willpower. When you decide to stick with a diet or not eat that food, that's willpower. When you decide not to smoke that cigarette, that's willpower, especially if you want one. Anything that is against what you want to do is willpower. Once you've exercised willpower, the next time that you go to exercise it, you're actually worse at it because you actually have spent the things that are necessary to fuel willpower, willpower. and there, there are two things. Number one is glucose. You need to carb up. So if you're, 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 you're looking to stay focused, you've got to be carved up, and the other one is rest. So sounds pretty simple, but what allows me willpower is that, you know, after I'm sated, after I'm fed, basically, I can stay focused. I, look at yourself when you get up and you go and drink a beverage or um, take a bite of an apple, eat some nuts, and you come back at it, you know, for 15, 20 minutes, you're, you're, you're back in it. You can stay focused. Uh, but what happens is, is most people just stay in it, and they don't go replenish either the rest and or the, the, the carbohydrate. What happens when you do it over and over and over again, you're not really building the muscle of willpower. You're literally binding new neurons. And so not smoking, you know, doing something else, you're, you're, you're literally creating behavior that feels like it's willpower, but you're just creating behavior that a willpower allows you to create because you are allowed to repeat it. And so what's the secret? created. What's that? What's the secret, then, to having willpower? So figuring out what it is that you want to stick with, making sure that you're carved up and rested before you, when, when you're in it, making sure that it means something to you, that, that I am not going to do this. And sometimes we, for, for breaking habits, you know, like smoking, um, we actually have to have replacements. We have to look at, oh, okay, I want to replace this. Not this, but that. It's kind of like a four-year-old with a a three-year-old with a rattle, um, you take the rattle out of their, their purview and they no longer are paying attention to it. Well, if you're trying to quit smoking, um, where don't you smoke? Well, you don't smoke in the shower, you don't smoke when you're exercising, you don't smoke in your car, you know, it, where, things like that. So you want to start kind of doing replacement types of things as well as making sure that you're rested and making sure that your, your brain is fed and so willpower is, is an interesting thing. People think the more I do of it, the more I get. Actually, what you get is the behavior that you keep coming back to doing a thousand repetitions, about a thousand repetitions to create a brand new default behavior. And, and what you're allowing you to do, so if you, your willpower is, I'm going to go exercise. I'm going to force myself up. This is, this is a part of my, oh, I'm going to force myself up to, do it, to doing it. Eventually, you are creating a habit is what you're doing. You're not getting better at willpower. You're getting better at a behavior. I think that's, that's a good doing. thing. Absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. So excellent insights to that. All right, we're just about out of time. If there's one thing that we haven't talked about 
and I know there's a number of things. I had a list here from the book uh, that I went through. But give us uh, the one last thing you want us to know before we end our show today. Yeah, one last. We talk a lot about stress, and what I will say is that not all stress is bad, but we also have a plenty of research that shows that how you frame stress predicts the neurochemicals in your body and your energy around it. You can take two people who are in the same stressful situation, and one says, you know what? This is supposed to be hard. By golly, I'm going to go after it. This is supposed to be difficult. This is what, this is what smart people do. This is what successful people do. And they, they, they bear up for the stress. They actually can produce more and have lower cortisol levels in their body and more reported well-being than the person who goes, oh, man, this is awful. This is, they just keep pounding at me. This is, gosh, here it comes again. Here's a, yet another thing. So we know that mindset and framing around stress is so critically important. And so everything that we look at around in terms of the brain, the biggest thing I want you all to take away is this, is that what you suggest to your brain is critically important. Your brain is so highly suggestible. And so we want to pay attention to what we're telling our brain and what we're feeding our brain and making sure that we're giving our brain a break. It's such a critical, critical piece to brain health. You know, there used to be a saying, and I don't know who said it, but somebody once said, it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about it. And I'd like to change that last sentence or the last part of the sentence that says it's not what happens to you, it's how you think about it. Wow, I like that. Yeah, maybe that's the way to, to, to summarize that. Wow, great information, Scott. This is why we call this Amazing Business Radio, because uh, you're an amazing guest with amazing information, some, some powerful, powerful ideas. And if this does not get you motivated to get your brain uh, sharpened you know, up and, and work toward making sure you're the most productive that you can possibly be by just following some of these simple ideas. You know, and it's not so much hardcore exercise. It's just having that physical stimulation that helps the brain uh, make better decisions. The awake time, the uh, awake rest, excuse me, uh, that you, you spend. The time before you go to bed, outstanding ideas. The diet, uh, diet doesn't just affect your body. It affects your brain. So much great information. Scott, thank you very, very much. You've been uh, just amazing today, as I like to say. And and everybody who's listening, thanks for for hanging in there. Hope you enjoyed the show. I thought this was probably one of the most important shows we've had. Uh, It literally is uh, food for thought. So this is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. And as I always like to sign off and say, be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.